Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Halcyon, the Book of Pinon, is a fantasy horror podcast inspired by historical events and characters. This work of fiction was designed, developed, and produced by a multicultural team of various religious faiths and beliefs. Professor Pyman lives in a dangerous world, and his story contains themes of violence, gore, and attempted sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 1. The Magician The handsome cab had long since pulled away from the curb, depositing the young woman at the main gate. She couldn't move. Not yet. She stood at the entrance, clutching a small handbag against her favorite blue jacket frozen in the midst of chattering adults and excited children. Her mouth moved, imperceptibly, reading the words over and over again in a whisper. Calibus Brother Circus. Calibus. 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 <laughs> the last name, though unusual, made her laugh a little at the sing-song alliteration that she had just learned weeks ago was her true name. 
I'm not Calliope Grisham anymore. But am I really Calliope Calibus? She tucked away a straight curl behind her ear and took in a deep breath, filled with the smell of popcorn and roasted peanuts and hay. She smoothed the fabric of her best dress and stepped forward to claim her ticket at the booth. She waited in line, watching a small girl in a white dress straining to see past the gates while balancing her father's shoulders. The little one kept asking to see the elephant. Soon, dear, I promise. Calliope watched the pair wistfully. She barely remembered her father. Orphaned as a toddler, was it possible that she could find memories of him here? She smiled at the old man behind the ticket counter as she approached. He blinked at her from under bushy white eyebrows, expectantly awaiting her request. Just one ticket, miss? I believe I have one waiting for me. My name is Calliope Group. Calibus. The man seemed to search her face while he rummaged for an envelope, never taking his eyes away from her. His jaw slackened, and he seemed to deliberately take extra time before sliding the ticket across the worn wooden countertop into her waiting hands. But not before he sent a young lad running at top speed from the back of the brightly colored cubicle. The old man was transfixed, it seemed, looking a bit like he was seeing a ghost. What little color there was drained from his face. Are you Silas's girl? The professor in Sydney said you may be coming here, but you couldn't be. I, I believe I am, sir. It's lovely to meet you. May I have your name? Samuel. May I... May I ask, did you know him well? Silas, did you know my father? Calliope! Calliope, here! Over here! Another man's voice shouted over the crowd, and the source of the shouting rushed forward, dressed in bright red with the tallest top hat she'd ever seen. Calliope stood on her tiptoes, scanning the sea of faces as a weedy figure advanced in her direction. Sidney Calipus waved a black walking stick as he darted and dodged through the crowd. Passersby stared at him wide-eyed, gawking at the unmistakable regalia of the show's ringmaster. Samuel pressed the ticket into her waiting hands, and she curled her fingers around it. Oh, thank you, sir. Samuel. Please. Thank you, Samuel. Please excuse me. I believe that my- Ah, there you are, my girl. I'm so pleased to see you here. Uncle Sidney? It was more of a question. He was a stranger, wasn't he? Stumbling backwards as Sidney's lanky form drew closer, she caught herself against the side of the wagon and searched his features looking for a trace of herself. Did he share the same brown eyes? The dark auburn hair? Not knowing the protocol for long-lost family reunions, Calliope stuck out her gloved hand and stammered an awkward, Pleased to meet you? 
I told them to fetch me at once when you arrived. His teeth were unnaturally white and straight, seemingly too big for his mouth. But as she focused on them, the smile dropped from his lips. Without further ceremony, she found herself buried face first in the velvet brocade of his jacket, while he whispered to her like she was a spooked horse, stroking her hair theatrically and holding her against him in a vice grip. Oh, my poor child, to think you, you were right under my nose in the city this whole time. I hope you do not judge me harshly for being unable to find you all these years. Calliope opened her mouth to speak, but then pressed her lips together. Was it impolite to say that it took her merely a week after receiving the letters from her guardian, Dr. Grissom's solicitor, to find out that she had an uncle whose small circus had a permanent installation at Coney Island? And her dear Uncle Sidney was certainly making up for lost time. The man had not stopped talking. The Lord has seen fit to return you to me, a part of my dear, dear departed brother. I learned of his death several months afterward, and mind you, my girl, I did inquire after you, but it was all for naught. I trust you were well taken care of all this time. My colleague informed me that it was this kindly gentleman who met with such an unfortunate end not a fortnight ago. How dreadful! Trying to nod in response, Calliope held her breath as Sydney only kept going. To have lost your dear guardian to such a murder-most foul. Quite sensational, as I understand. You must be distressed beyond words. But do not worry, dear. You are home at last. Calliope managed a smile and made a vain attempt to extract herself from his grip. But Sydney only held her tighter. Without warning, as if in a ballroom dance, she was whirled around to his side, and her arm now firmly trapped in the crook of his elbow. Come, walk with me. Let me show you around my little kingdom. Well... Ours, rather. It will be yours now as well. You'll be joining us then, yes? A sly grin crept across his face as he finally finished talking and began to lead Calliope through the crowd. The flurry of activity around the bright striped tents and bustle of patrons dimmed. Calliope felt the edges of her vision start to blur. She gulped in a breath and leaned a little more heavily on her uncle to avoid soiling the hem of her skirt in a puddle. Joining us. Her uncle's words echoed in her head. She had thought about it, hadn't she? With Dr. Grisham gone, there was no guarantee of any future for her in the city. The shock of his murder the gruesome details from London, his eyes dug out of his skull like bulbs in a garden, his body found on the altar of St. Etheldreda's church, and she had read of another murder, not far from here, with similar circumstances just last week. 
The photos were plastered on the front page of the New York Sun, after all. What with Dr. Grisham being a well-known, albeit controversial, historian and occult expert with a prestigious appointment at Columbia University. Although he was often gone, this time as a visiting professor at University College London, the public curiosity had been stirred. Was it a ritual murder? A curse? People have been knocking on the brownstone's door at all hours for a glimpse into the life of the victim and what or whom he had left behind. And left behind she was. Calliope had not yet had a proper introduction into Manhattan society. Nearly all her friends from school lived outside the city, save for a few acquaintances. Some of the young ladies were even getting married as her class had graduated just weeks ago. An old friend of her mother's family, or so she was told, the gruff and often absent Dr. Grisham, who she had never been invited to call by his first name, Eugene, had begrudgingly taken her in at the age of three after her father's death. He'd left most of her upbringing to the housekeeper, Mrs. Porter, and to the good headmistresses and instructors at various schools around New England. Most recently, Hertfordshire School for Girls in Lowell, Massachusetts. Everything was so uncertain for Calliope now, even down to the small inheritance her guardian had managed for her, enough to send her to a slew of respectable boarding schools, which she changed inexplicably every few years and kept her well out of his way. Lost in her thoughts, she let herself be led along the thoroughfare. Uncle Sidney apparently took her silence as an affirmative, as he hustled her this way and that, pointing out tents and performers, graciously stopping to smile and wave at admiring youngsters. As they made their way along the thoroughfare, Clypey noted they were straying off to the side, away from the larger tents and games of chance. The crowds thinned from the throngs of families to mostly older children, single men, and young couples, all of whom seemed to be floating down the aisle toward the sound of a man's deep voice. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Ah, my esteemed partner. To see him in action is a thing to behold. Watch him, my dear. That's the professor. Professor Pyman. Entrancing, is he not? Uncle Sidney grinned and urged Calliope closer. With a graceful motion, the impeccably dressed man in question gave a small nod to the crowd. Doffy in his black bowler hat, which rolled down the length of his arm, and came to rest between his fingers. Along with the hat, he seemed to have the gathering masses in the palm of his hand. He followed his every sweeping gesture, seeming to hang on his every word. From the far corners of the world, I have procured for you lovely people. 
a selection of superlative specimens that will leave you mystified, terrified, or possibly beguiled and hopelessly in love. The crowd pushed forward and murmured, and the professor winked at one of the single young men at the edge of the stage, gesturing to the poster of the woman with the long brown hair that fell in piles around her feet. Travel the earth yourself and you will never find their equals. A mermaid from the depths of the farthest seas, both beautiful and terrifying. Our giant, a colossus of strength who could take on a dozen men and win the battle. Oh yes, step this way, my good people, and see the marvels that are As if led by an invisible guide, those good people marched through the canvas tunnel to the wonders beyond. As the last of them disappeared, Pyman's glinting eyes flicked in Sydney's direction, registering a brief look of surprise at Calliope's presence. A slow smile slid across his features, and the younger man moved towards the pair. Professor Pyman bowed deeply and formally, a hand nearly sweeping the ground. As Calliope imagined, gentlemen did, in the magazine romance stories that her governess, Mrs. Porter, had been so fond of. My utmost felicitations on your happy reunion. The professor straightened himself up his dark eyes fixed on Calliope. Something behind his expression sent a chill running through her. But she stood firmly in her place. Your uncle has searched for years hoping to find you. How auspicious that we should be in New York at this very moment. Settled here at this magical location. Pyman's appraising smile faded a bit, as if another thought was struggling for a place in line. He turned ever so slightly and gestured to the posters behind him. Calliope perused the illustrations of fantastical beings, a mermaid. A massive man, clad in leopard print, lifting a family of four above his head. And a lady, whose body was folded up at impossible angles. Family is so very important. We're a little family here ourselves. So my uh, uncle tells me how, how wonderful... Calliope tried to school her lips into a pleasant, neutral expression. Something about Professor Pyman made her want to take a step back. He looked much like any other man. Tall, broad-shouldered, though lean. Smartly dressed in a perfectly tailored black three-piece suit. Topped off with a beard and mustache. He was younger than she imagined someone called professor would be, but that was show business. He was handsome, in the classical sense, the way marble busts or statues were timeless, 
There's no air of fad or fashion about him, despite his clothes. He could have been a man of any era, showing no signs of age or the careworn lines common amongst men she had known. But when she looked into his eyes, Calliope could see years of toil and adversity. His eyes looked like those of the men who had returned from the war between the states, forever changed by the horrors they witnessed. She felt a chill crawl down her spine. No, there was something else behind those dark eyes, and something in her burned with curiosity and apprehension at the same time. Show's about to start. I'm afraid I must be going. And please accept my condolences on your recent losses. But I bid you welcome nonetheless. You replaced the bowler hat on his head, paused, and gave her one last short nod. I do hope we'll be seeing more of each other, Miss Calliope. She returned the nod in response, holding his gaze until he turned away, dashed toward the tunnel, and disappeared into the darkness. Uncle Sidney grinned, turning her back to the main tent. He's quite something, isn't he? Calliope agreed, glancing back over her shoulder. The crowd had since disappeared into the tent, which now seemed as innocuous as any other tent on the carnival grounds. Clippy blinked and read the words atop the professor's tent. H-A-L-C-Y-O-N Halcyon? Halcyon. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Come along, my dear. I'm sure you have many questions. Calliope snapped back to herself, as if the air around her seemed to clear. Yes, as a matter of fact, she had a great many questions. Dr. Grisham had told her very little of her parents. She knew practically nothing about them, except that her father was a bit an explorer in his time, and her mother had been a talented seamstress and designer of costumes and dresses. 
Was she very much like either of them, she wondered? She wanted, more than anything, to be a writer. A novelist. Perhaps this would be an inspiring place for a burgeoning author. After all, weren't traveling shows filled with drama, romance, and excitement? As if reading her mind, Sydney pulled her along, heading toward the largest tent. It's time to get acquainted with the rest of the show. Now you're with your true family, where you have always belonged. Excuse me? Just as quickly as the words were spoken, there was a hand on her shoulder. Turning around to face the sweet southern drawl, Calliope found herself eye-to-eye with a woman, not much taller than herself. The new arrival had inky black hair and large, beautiful eyes that were almost as dark as her hair. Gold chains and crystals hung about her round face, offset against a smooth olive complexion. She had a robe that was intricately embroidered with stars and moons, and she wore rings on every finger as she reached out a hand. Well, I didn't mean to startle you, Miss Calliope. I felt your presence here. Your history with the circus. It's in your blood. (sighs) Amaranth, we haven't the time. Miss Calliope and I must- But the professor insisted. I see what her cards had to say. Amaranth drew herself up to what had to be a height of no more than five feet. She took Calliope's hand and turned towards the sideshow alley leaving Sidney to follow, muttering under his breath. Oh, Sidney, bless your heart, you do make a fuss. Indulge the professor. He just wants to make our guests feel welcome. Calliope noticed Sidney swallow hard as they wove their way through the other patrons and fix his stare firmly straight ahead. Calliope allowed Amaranth to lead her to a tent where the signs, Fortunes Told or at each side of the entrance. She reached for her handbag to remove a coin, but Amaranth put a hand on hers. This is very kind. Are you sure? We played with tarot cards in our dormitories. One of the girls had a set of them, but I've never had a proper reading. Oh, goodness, yes. I have a feeling we're going to be great friends. In fact, I think there are many friends waiting for you here. The mysterious woman smiled and gestured for Calliope to sit at her round table. Crystals and other eccentric items were scattered on the table over layers of velvet tablecloths and scarves. Amaranth reached under the table and produced a large deck of cards, which she held above the table for a few moments, closing her eyes and murmuring a few words that Calliope was unable to make out. Next, She asked Calliope to place the deck in her own hands and concentrate on a question. What would you like to ask the cards, my dear? Think of a question or a problem you need an answer to. Calliope took a deep breath, holding the cards like a lifeline. One question? She had so many. Where to start? Amaranth smiled. Calliope raised a 
quizzical eyebrow, handing the cards back. I think I know your question. You want to know what the future holds. Of course you do. Everyone does. The cards don't just tell your future. They're here to give you insight into the past and the present as well. Calliope nodded, and Amranth took the cards. Slowly, she cut the deck. Time and again, shuffling, while Sydney paced in the back of the tent like a caged tiger. Tell me when I should stop. When the cards speak to you. Calliope bade her stop. And Amaranth laid the deck on the table, then drew the first card. The Page of Pentacles, what I would expect. What does it mean? The Page is a young person just beginning their journey in this world. Calliope sat up straighter in her chair. The Fortune Teller placed a second card over the other, like a cross. And next is the Five of Cups. This is the card of upset and loss. I know you've had that in your life, my dear. I could feel it when we met. Or you could read a newspaper. Sidney let out a whistling breath from behind his niece. (sighs) Amaranth, with all her soft, sweet demeanor, shot him a look that could peel paint. Calliope decided that, yes, they were going to be very good friends for certain. What's next? Amaranth smiled at her curious guest and drew the next cards. The Queen of Cups tells me who you are, and she is a loving, giving, caring woman. And this next card is the reason for the reading. Oh, you are reconnecting with distant family. That's what a six of cup means. That's amazing. Calliope marveled at the intricate art of the cards as Amaranth continued drawing a few more. The beautiful figures, macabre and fascinating even in their truths and mysteries. You will have some heart, I'm afraid, but it won't last forever. Do you know what it will be? And when? Is it now? Dr. Grisham, I mean, my guardian. You found your family. It's all happiness. No time for gloom. Really, Amaranth. Tell the professor that we had... Amaranth drew another card from the deck. She cocked her head to one side, looking at Calliope. Ah, the Page of Wands. So, you're a writer, are you? How did you know? I mean, I want to be. The cards told you that? Amaranth smiled a knowing smile and drew again while Sydney continued to pace. Yes, the cards have told me a great deal. Steady yourself, dear child. We are not finished yet. Your next card? 
Ah, your hopes and fears, a five of swords. There will be a battle for you to fight. Should I be worried? The cards have been so accurate, and the dreams I've been having recently. Dreams of fire. Fire lighting up the darkness where I'm lost and alone. Maybe that's what I'm most afraid of, being alone. But the fire, what could it mean? Dreams, my dear, are the fevers and mirrors of the soul. They show us what we can rarely see on our own. And the cards are a guide. They tell you what can be, if things continue on their current course. They help you see what was, what is, and what may be. The last card will tell you what your future holds. Calliope bit her lip and watched with wide eyes as Amran's hand drew from the deck for a final time. She held her breath as the last card, the card of her future, revealed itself. Amaranth flipped the card face up. Even Sydney leaned over Calliope's shoulder to get a better look. Your future is intertwined with the magician. Calliope picked up the card, studying the brightly colored drawing of a robed man with his arm raised, a table laden with a cup, a wand, a sword, and a pentacle. Calliope swallowed hard against a dry throat. It looks like he controls everything. The magician. He is key to the journey. But remember, this is the path set on the way things are now. And it is time we continue with our journey, my dear niece. Really, Amaranth, you might as well have told her she's going to meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger. Sydney scoffed as he offered an arm to Calliope, who took it gingerly and found herself quickly hoisted out of the chair. Amaranth smiled a crooked smile and winked at the young woman. Oh yes, that too. You certainly will meet him. The tall, handsome stranger awaits you, Miss Calliope. Tosh! Pyman and his superstitions. I mean to show my niece the real circus. Now, if you'll excuse us. Thank you so very much, Amaranth. I hope we see each other again soon. We will, my friend. I've seen it. Amaranth laughed and drew the fabric to the tent's entrance closed, as Calliope follows Sydney back to the thoroughfare. I have such wonders, such amazing things to show you, and the professor intends to waste your time with a parlor game. My apologies, dear. My colleague is quite the showman, but sometimes I don't know where his head is. Oh, I had a lovely time. Amaranth is wonderful. I've never had an experience like that. It's like she could really see... Yes, 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 yes. Almost. Something like that. Sydney seemed to be in an unusual hurry to leave the sideshow area. 
he led Calliope between tents and booths, pointing out this attraction and that game, mentioning too many names for her to track. And then suddenly, there was fire in their path. Shouldn't you be in the show, Hestia? And watch yourself, you nearly scorched my hat. A petite woman twirled a wand of fire at her side and stared at the ringmaster, then fixed her unusually orange-hued eyes on Calliope. The flames weren't lost on Calliope, who was still turning Amaranth's reading over and over in her mind. I had to see for myself. So, this is your long-lost family. The fire breather's accent was thick from a place Calliope couldn't identify. The new arrival took a step back, making no effort to hide that she was taking stock of Sydney's niece. She reached out and took one of Calliope's errant curls, loose again from her hairpin, and pushed it away from the girl's face. Hestia held her torch up to Calliope's face, though it was a perfectly clear and bright afternoon. Yes, home at last. Now, if you'll excuse us, Hestia, Hello, I'm Calliope. And you are Hestia? What a beautiful name. I see your family has more manners. Hestia took Calliope's hand in a firm grasp. She had beautiful golden curls and a red costume, a bodice embroidered with dragons and flames, and they seemed to glow on their own in the afternoon sun. Yes, Calliope. The professor bade me welcome you. He's just finishing the magic show in our tent. He has something he'd like to discuss with you. Surely it can wait. The girl's barely just arrived. I'm merely a messenger. It was a pleasure to meet you, Miss Calliope. Hestia gave a nod and headed back to the sideshow tent. Gasps and applause filled the thoroughfare as she parted the tent's entrance. Calliope's curiosity peaked. She followed, ducking in after Hestia. She stood at the back of the crowd while Hestia walked up on stage and joined the professor, depositing her fire wand in a nearby bucket. A round of applause for my lovely assistant, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the beautiful and mysterious Hestia. For my final feat of the evening. In witness of all of you good people, I shall disappear, traveling through the ether, walking beyond the veil and be transported by the powers known only to very few. Watch closely, ladies and gentlemen. The professor removed his bowler hat and jacket, transferring them to Hestia's waiting hands. He looked out into the audience, dramatically rolling up his sleeves as if to show the audience he had nothing to hide. Hestia placed the professor's garments to the side and held up a simple white sheet. With a drum roll and dimming of the stage lights, she draped the sheet over the tall figure of Professor Pyman. Calliope felt her heartbeat quicken in time with the music. The figure on the stage stood motionless, covered like a ghost. Hestia at his side. Before Calliope could blink, 
Estia pulled the sheet with a flourish, and to the shock of everyone in the room, the professor was gone. <gasps> Stink. Calliope let out a small shriek as the professor appeared behind her at the tent's entrance, causing a few members of the now aghast and murmuring audience to turn around. Next time, Miss Calliope, you'll have to pay your nickel just like everyone else. Pyman produced a nickel out of thin air, rolled it along his fingers, then made it disappear just as deftly, giving Calliope a slight smirk as he did so. Look! He's there! Pyman gave a theatrical bow as the onlookers all turned to face him at the back of the tent. The crowd exploded into thunderous applause. Thank you! Thank you, my good people! Now, I invite you all to come and inspect the stage. See for yourselves! No wires, trap doors, no trickery. Only magic. While Calliope stood in place, she watched audience members come up and explore the stage's floorboards and shake the professor's hand. Estia melted into the background, but not before grabbing her fire wand and all the commotion. Sydney came up and tapped Calliope on the shoulder, impatiently insisting they hurry along to the real show. Calliope stole one last backwards glance as the tent flaps closed again her arms once again locked in Sydney's side. Who was Professor Pyman, she mused. How had he accomplished that feat? What other mysteries did the man hold? And why did he both amaze her and set her teeth on edge? Could this really be where she belonged? She thought back to Amaranth's reading, the final card. Clypey took a deep breath and contemplated Amaranth's words. Her fate was intertwined with none other than... The Magician. Halcyon, the Book of Pyman podcast, and all its <laughs> entities are a production of Pyman Media LLC, all rights reserved. Halcyon, the Book of Pyman, is written by James Gray and Shannon Lynn, directed and edited by Jared Huffaker. Music and sound effects provided by Epidemic Sound. All episodes are available wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And I, Professor Pyman, ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe. And visit halcyonpodcast.com for more information. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.